Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio, it's time for Family Business Radio. Showcasing outstanding family businesses and the advisors who assist them. Good afternoon. You're listening to Family Business Radio. I am your host, Anthony Chen. We are kicking off the first episode of the year in 2023. We have two amazing guests with us. We have Rachel Donnelly with Black Dress Consultants and Derek Chard with Payrock. So kind of kicking us off, our first guest, Rachel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me so much. Thank you for coming. So share with our audience your origin story as to what got you to creating your own business, Black Dress Consultants, and why that particular name? Yeah, great question. So I created a business that I felt was really lacking and was not available to me when I needed something and needed uh, very specific services. Um, After losing loved ones, I had many experiences with loss in my life, losing both of my parents, and which led me to have to take care of my uncle who was in late stages of Parkinson's. Um, And managing all of those logistics um, was very overwhelming and complicated. And I felt that, like I said, there was a missing piece um, of strategic support to help families manage the unavoidable logistics of after loss. I like to say that we help um, the living deal with dying. Um, So I created a strategic uh, project management business to help families manage the unavoidable logistics and administrative tasks of after loss. Um, The name of my business is a nod to my mother, who was an expert in Victorian mourning. And uh, this is a nod to just um, celebrate that and um, to just add a little bit of a tongue-to-cheek uh, um, a nod to, to you know, that um, practice of mourning. Mm-hmm. Tongue and cheek, not tongue-to-cheek, tongue and cheek. There we go. So what's the kind of the, the motive? You mentioned you shared with us kind of your experience with loss and realizing that there's really not many of the services available out there. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of share with the audience, those who have not experienced what you might be referencing too? Yeah. So there are varying estimates um, from experts that, that show that it takes between 420 uh, to 570 hours of effort on average by an executor to manage the logistics and settle a loved one's estate. And that uh, amount of work is left to either an executor, surviving loved one, family member, um, widow, widower, uh, to manage all of those logistics. And while, yes, you may have uh, the estate or probate attorney, the financial advisor, the accountant, there's a lot of, of work that's left to that other person who may not have the expertise um, or may not have the time while they're managing their lives and their children or what have you to, to manage all of that. And especially if you're trying to do this from afar and you live in a different state where you need to manage those logistics, it can be very challenging. Uh, so I wanted to create you know, a very strategic service to fill in that gap that I felt was really lacking in the market and serve as this sort of um, air traffic control um, and bringing in all of those pieces and helping to vet the other vendors and professionals and um, just, like I said, fill in the gaps. So for those who are kind of listening in for the first time and they might see down the line where they may have to step in eventually as the executor or executrix, mm-hmm. what is kind of the top three things you find at the time someone comes to you? Mm-hmm the problems that they're just kind of running into a wall. Yeah. So most people uh, are very, um, we we all share some discomfort in speaking about our own mortality. And then we also share that in in speaking about it with any, with our aging parents, um, with anybody else. And so we avoid that at all cost. And the, the problems with that is not knowing 
uh, what mechanisms, what mechanisms, what estate planning um, provisions have been done ahead of time, and then where everything is. So your loved one may have a will. They may have, you know, um, beneficiaries on their accounts. Um, they may have prepaid for a funeral, and you don't know about all of those pieces. Uh, so one of the aspects in helping families is to m- help get them organized and and really audit everything. And so if you l- can look at that through that lens of where are the important estate planning documents uh, that your loved one may have, where are they located, can I um, combine them in some sort of central repository where that's a folder or an online vault And then what are the missing pieces? And do we need to bring in other professionals to help fill in any of those those gaps? Uh, Another big aspect to it is you can't just sit around and wait for the mail to administer someone's estate. It used to be you could just... Uh, refer to that old, you know, metal file cabinet and pull out all the folders and administer all of your loved ones' accounts. But our lives are in the cloud. They're on devices. We access um, paying for different services, investment accounts, retirement funds. They're all online. So that can lead to a lot of missing pieces for executors and family members to know which accounts, which assets, which debts to close, you know, transfer and archive. So you mentioned a little bit about the, the knowledge gap for the executor executrix that is just kind of stepping in and just, for lack of a better term, being bombarded like a fire hydrant of yes. information and things they need to do right away. You mentioned one of them is uh, understanding where's their assets, how is it titled? Mm-hmm. And I like how you mentioned in terms of uh, social media or just, how everything now is on the cloud. Yeah. How does that get managed now? Yeah. So it can, that can be difficult. And that's one of the, the um, areas that we really help clients with is doing that discovery of both their assets, whether they are tangible or, you know, property, or if they're intangible, such as their airline points or their Amazon credits or what have you. So really trying to look at things from um, uh, taking a step back and doing an inventory and saying, okay, where is everything? And then what is any proper sequence or protocol that we need to take to try and have those assets um, handed over or delivered to the heirs or beneficiaries? Um, so there, there are many different steps that you can take, you know, to do that. And that's something that we do very strategically, um, with families. Now uh, for your service, it sounds like it would be someone coming to you after the fact, would there be value for those who are just in the midst of their estate planning journey to have you also along with that conversation? Absolutely. Yes. So I like to say that we either prevent dumpster fires or we manage dumpster fires. Um, And one aspect of that is that many clients, we help them with legacy planning. And that is a very comprehensive bird's eye view of taking a step back and uh, looking, like I said, doing that audit of what are the pieces of your estate planning puzzle that are there? How old are they? Do you have a a will that's 25 years old that was done in Delaware and may not um, best serve you if you live in a different state? Mm-hmm. Um, how old is your financial power of attorney? Um, and then uh, where is everything located and how can we pull that together? And how are there any beneficiaries that need to be updated? Do you have an ex-husband that still is the beneficiary of your life insurance policy? Can we utilize tools to make plans for your Facebook account or your Apple account or your Gmail, your email account? So there are a lot of um, measures in place to help, um, you know, make sure everything's organized and buttoned up. Um, but about 35% of our clients are in that legacy uh, planning space. So we can help come in and say, you know what, that's going to cause a problem. Let's fix that now. 
Well, that's good. And I like how you, you mentioned or used the phrase of preventing dumpster yeah. fires. <laughs> so what is kind of one most common dumpster fire that you, you get brought in front of you that's something that just a, a slight change would have completely mitigated that? Oh, goodness. Well, I mean, just this morning I had a, a potential client call from um, a new widow. She's a young widow. Her husband had been sick and passed away suddenly, but it was expected. And he had a life insurance policy that she was not the beneficiary, which was so sad and shocking to me. Um, But many people don't think through those little bits and pieces. And so now she's looking at possibly having to, you know, to probate his estate to um, get access or to have these funds um, transferred to her because right now they're payable to the estate and it's going to cost her probably a lot of money, maybe half of the proceeds because it was a smaller policy to have that um, designated to her. Um, And it's just heartbreaking. That is a very quick fix that you can usually log into a Mm. platform and make so easily. So there are things like that that just break my heart, but can be so preventable and prevent a dumpster fire like this. And, and, you know, just um, allow for ease instead of anguish down the road. And that that definitely uh, trips me up because for my listeners, I'm being in the financial field. It's that's the first go to in terms of reviewing something very simple. Just 100%. 100%. Because most people think, oh, I just ha- I have a will. And in this case, uh, their loved one didn't have a will or her husband didn't. But a lot of times it's not just about having a will. It's about having a strategy. Mm-hmm. And are those assets following the strategy? And many assets, as you know, Anthony, fall, can fall outside mm-hmm. of, of probate. So there are things that you can do very easily for free where you can log on or just make a phone call to make sure that uh, beneficiaries are up to date and are who they want you to, to be to. Uh, particularly on the mixed uh, relationship or, or second or third marriages. Yeah. I mean, if you were paid a nickel for every time you ran into a policy that needed updating, would you be retired? Yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> I would, yeah. Um, man, there, I can't tell you how many times I've seen where an ex-husband or someone that they didn't, it was outdated, the uh, beneficiary, and they didn't mean to do that. So mm-hmm. I've, I've seen that a lot. Um, another big trip up is just people fighting over property. Um, and I'm not talking about a palatial estate in in um, in New York City. I'm talking about you know grandma's pie plate and some things that really people get um, upset about that have that sentimental value mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily financial or, or tangible value. Mm-hmm. So making plans to say, you know what, I'm going, Anthony, you're going to get grandma's pie plate after I'm gone. Go ahead and write that down. Can uh, can lessen a lot of heartache and fights among siblings. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're also being brought in. Are you ever brought in as kind of a mediator among these siblings, or just no? To, um... No, I'm. I really try to leave that to the the professionals there and help fulfill either the wishes or the guidance of an attorney or other professionals. So really try to follow that. I try to stay in my sandbox as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then prevent them from having to ma- make that debate and just have it all. Correct. Going on. Correct. Yes. Yes. Um, and then on the other side, are there things that uh, you do not want? Uh, many children of our age who are children of boomer parents are being left with silver, china, crystal, Hummel figurines that they do not want. So making plans ahead of time so that there isn't the guilt of throwing that in the trash or giving it to the Salvation Army can can go a long way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, so you're telling me kids don't want all, all the silver and the china and all the other knickknacks in the attic, in the basement? What is this? <laughs> I know it's crazy talk, but they don't. They're, I read a lot of articles that are referring to it as the great junk transfer. Oh. Um, as the boomers are aging and passing away, they're leaving just... So much stuff for their adult children and grandchildren to have to deal with that they do not want. 
The big brown furniture is a big one. Um, nobody wants that giant china cabinet or a buffet um, that was hand carved in 1928. So that's a very specific. I, I'm assuming there's a story. Yeah, there. I have a buffet in my dining room that was hand carved in 1928. That's taking up a lot of room. Um, so yes, practicing what I preach, but you know, the guilt, the guilt. Mm-hmm. And then speaking of shifting from guilt now to a little bit on, on the more proactive side, the legacy conversation, mm-hmm. uh, what is kind of the, the most common themes that you run into that are of a primary concern for those who are actually taking that step? I mean, it's already one big leap for them to actually have that estate planning conversation, mm-hmm. but to take the extra step of outlining what they want their legacy to be. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is a, a, a part that we, we tackle together is what are there ways that we can document or safeguard, preserve, what was the essence of you? Mm-hmm. What are any family stories, any um, important family recipes that you want to make sure are handed down? Um, that can be, and I use this word on purpose, on purpose, a big casualty of losing a loved one is not knowing where that that roll recipe that you make every Thanksgiving came from, or um, why you celebrate a holiday a certain way, um, and just those traditions, those just those things that are the essence of your family, those traditions, um, then can get lost very easily. And it's just, I think that that can be the fun part mm-hmm. of legacy planning is saying, you know, what do I want to make sure safeguarded and preserved um, for for generations to come. Definitely pardon with the kind of the traditions and you mentioned secret recipes, you know, going to grandparents' place, grandma's got, either got the roll or the pie and it's just not the same, buying it anywhere else. Yeah. And, and you yeah. brought up that, unfortunately, sometimes being a casual because, oh yeah, I'll pass it down to you, pass it down. Well, grandma. Let's do it now. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, I've started making my grandmother's roll recipe with my daughter um, this Thanksgiving to make sure she knows where that came from. And we do it every Thanksgiving mm. and it's just something that's fun and cool to pass down. But, um, you know, I miss that not having my parents around of saying, you know, how are we related to that cousin and, or that aunt and what side were they on? And, um, so just being very proactive and intentional mm. about saving some of those things and those questions can lead to bigger questions. You know, now that you talked about, great aunt Etna and how are related to her, you know, how did she pass away? And do you know if she had any, any, a will or, or what have you in place? And then I'd love to talk to you about that. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, some of those really fun legacy conversations can lead to the more unfun stuff of, of the, the estate planning, yeah. which, which adult children can be very um, uncomfortable having. Mm-hmm. Um, they think they're trying to get into mom and dad's pockets and, um, but go ahead and do it now while you're able and, and willing and, um, can have those conversations. Mm-hmm. When I'm kind of bringing that up to kind of the elephant room is how would then the adult children have that conversation? Because they don't want to come across as going after the parents' pockets, but at the same time, they don't want to inherit the mess. Yeah. They have no idea what's on the behind door number three. Yeah. And I always tell, I say a lot of times, if you want to use me as your scapegoat, a scapegoat and say, Hey, a friend of mine, Rachel, she lost both of her parents. She had two small children, you know, at the time had to take over caring for an aging loved one. And it was a mess. And that makes me worried. And I'd love to have some conversations to make sure that you're taking care of that, um, that we'll be able to advocate on your behalf and that we're going to fulfill the wishes that you want and the things that are important to you. I just want to, I I'm doing this out of worry and concern. I just want to make sure that everything's buttoned up as much as possible. So I'm like, if you want to throw me under the bus and use me as your scapegoat, you know, do that. Or if we have another story that has caused you concern or a friend who's lost a husband at a young age or, or what have you just, Bring it up as a concern angle of, you know, I want to make sure everything is going to be okay as much as possible. And kind of share with what was out of all the clients and families you've been working with. I mean, what is, I guess, the most unique or memorable experience you've had working with them? 
Oh, gracious. Um, so, so many stories. Um, you know, there have been, I, I really, I, I want to, to also say, you know, I add a little bit of humor to this, but I want to say it's, it's been, it's an honor to help families, um, you know, through, through these times and to help add in the lens of my experience, um, to help, you know, other families, um, you know, but I'd say a real, you know, memorable um, experience was, you know, this past year I was working with a, a family whose um, the stepson is the executor of the state of the estate. His stepfather passed away. He doesn't live close by, and um, he has had um, another family member has tried to have him removed as the executor. Um, for really no reason, we won't get into it, but it's very, really been heartbreaking um, at how easily things can go awry without proper um, planning. And if he had just known exactly where the original version of the will was, a lot of this stuff could have been prevented and had some more proactive conversations um, because there have sort of been, it's been a domino effect of problems and issues. Um, not only having to go to court, um, but the property inside the house, the actual house that's now part of the estate, it's just caused a lot of heartbreak and it's been very expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, you can't prevent crazy or some family members that may have some bad intentions, but with if you have your ducks in a row and really understand their wishes, their intentions, and what you're going to fulfill for them, you can hopefully prevent a lot of anguish. Well, now that this particular client that you're working with kind of undergoing this entire experience, I'm assuming, maybe I'm just putting the cart before the horse here, is that now they're more open in terms of having their own planning and conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And um, with this client in particular, his mom, his mother is still living. And I said, let's, I want to make sure that you're getting her ducks in a row in terms of her will, her financial power of attorney, her advanced health care directives to make sure nothing else may happen that you didn't intend to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the subject now, kind of shifting gears from just preventing dumpster fires, but more on kind of creating or leaving good memories or creating that legacy. What is kind of one of the most interesting, I guess, legacy requests that you've had from a client? Oh, my goodness. Um, The most interesting legacy, um, you know, request. Well, I was working with a client and she is my age, probably a little bit younger. She's in her 40s. And she wanted to go ahead and plan her um, celebration of life um, in the Caribbean. She wants to make sure she doesn't want anybody to be sad. She doesn't want anybody to be crying. She wants everybody to show up um, at this Caribbean island with a drink in hand, with an umbrella in it. Um, She wants everybody to come in color and have a big buffet, an 80s music dance party, and she is very intent that she does not want any sadness or crying. Um, she wants this to really be a celebration of her. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, like, like, I like to say the sky is the limit in terms of what you want the celebration of you to be like. Do you want a craft tequila tasting in Cabo? Oh. Do you want your ashes blown out of a cannon or to become a star? Um, there are so many ways that you that your your family can remember you and honor you that are uniquely you. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting, getting my imagination going because I, I <laughs> you could even become a diamond. Uh, yes, we could have your ashes compressed down to oh. be a diamond. Like I said, you can become part of a coral reef if you want to get cremated. You can become part of a forest. So many different options. It doesn't have to be sad and boring mm-hmm. and old school. We we can really, like I said, put the fun in funeral. Uh, but the eighties music and, and and the tequila. I mean, that's going to be hard to top. 
<laughs> is there a specific like memory or experience she had or he had a, the no, she 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 was just very she had a laser focused vision That's of a very what specific I request. know it was very very focused and she doesn't want any you know bible verses or she doesn't want any of that she mm. wants everybody to get up and basically roast her um have like a big roasting session <laughs> and just laughter laughter through tears maybe mm-hmm. um but yeah she's um she's got a vision she's got her eye on the prize all right she may even prepay for it we're talking we're talking through how we could possibly wow and i'm like i'm hoping you got miles to ride on this so yeah, yeah. Uh, don't don't yeah. don't cash this check too quickly but exactly I mean, i'm assuming based on her personality here yeah. That all of her friends know this is like coming. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think that they would be like, oh, that is so uniquely her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we can get a good credit card processing fee to prepay for this. Uh, maybe. Yeah, really good segue. Well, well then <laughs> for our listeners who are just like going from kind of the morbid into, whoa, that, that sounds like fun. You know, having people party and, and, and drink on, on my name on my behalf how can they best find you to, to get that fun going <laughs> absolutely if you're ready to put the fun in funeral i'm kidding um but uh, if you're ready to to reach out to me i offer a free 30-minute consultation you can reach out to me at blackdressconsultants.com i'm on linkedin rachel donnelly or black dress consultants you can also find me on instagram at black dress consultants um, so look forward to speaking with any of your listeners. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And now next we have Derek Ashard with Payrock. Welcome to the show, Derek. Hi, how are you? Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> Share with us our audience as to uh, what got Derek into merchant services. Well, first I want to say I'm uh, thinking about my funeral now. <laughs> <laughs> so, and how are you going to prepay sure. that and, yeah. and, and party? Yeah. And then the issues that my family might have with what I want to do versus what they would like. Me. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so Payrock, um, well, I think uh, just how I got started running a business would just go back to my family roots. Um, I grew up around business owners. Um, so dad and grandpa ran a business. Uncles ran a business. Um, mom didn't. She was trying to steer me away from that, but uh, just seeing the pride that they had in their business, being able to help people. Um, But then I think how I got into serving business owners in my business came from also watching them run a business and all the challenges that go into it. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up around a um, HVAC company, so you know how to fix someone's air conditioning, but then you don't see behind the scenes payroll payment processing, legality, like just all the things that go into running a business and finding people you can trust to help you with those things. Um, so I think I saw that and it got me into what I do now, which is working with um, business owners and helping them with their credit card processing, with their payment processing. But I think that was the the start, just not only being growing up with business owners, but then watching them run a business and, and, and the struggle it can be sometimes to... Mm-hmm make it happen all at once. Well, you mentioned having being an observer of all the challenges a business owner face. What got you to narrow down specifically for a credit card? I was just saying, uh, really just kind of randomly, to be honest with you, I wish there was some, you know, great story behind it. But, uh, a friend of mine, um, was friends with someone who was uh, selling a company to the company I work for now and just said, Hey, you're really good with numbers. And I know you like working with business owners and, you know, take a look into this industry. I think you might be good at it. And I think, you know, um, you can help business owners, um, consistently, right. Become mm-hmm. clients and over time. Um, so it was really just happenstance. I, 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 you know, can't say that there was a passion for credit card processing that, mm-hmm. uh, that, uh, that I had. So, so as you're kind of navigating now becoming an expert, one would say in terms of credit card trying. Or, or trying to be an expert in, in, in that regard. Like what are the big concerns for local businesses that they might not know about when having a credit processor? Cause I'm just looking in terms of as a consumer, just walking up and just kind of either what they call it, that the pin or just not just sliding the card in, but tapping it for a business owner. How would they be able to tell a difference and what makes it, your special or your field unique to every other merchant processors out there? Um, It's tough. There are a lot more intricacies to the industry than people think. And even that I thought when I got into it, not 
too long ago. So, um, it's just, it's just wild. Um, all the people involved from the credit card network, Visa, MasterCard, like what they're paying with, Mm -hmm. um, the type of business you run, how you're taking the payment, um, the card that the person's paying with, how much rewards are on it, uh, that the, that have to be paid by somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think just navigating the expense of digital payment and credit card for especially small business owners when they have to take credit card nowadays. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to say, Oh, cash only nowadays, much, much harder. Um, and then how you, um, present those options to your customers, um, whether it's technology and, um, online and just different ways. So there's just a lot of intricacies that um, I'd say most business owners don't fully know about, and it's hard to explain it all to them because it, it changes on a yearly basis. <laughs> it mm-hmm. really does, and um, on a per per transaction basis sometimes. So uh, it can be very confusing, um, but uh, I think that's the fun part about me trying to explain it to them and help them and say, well, no, you, th- you thought this was happening, but this is really happening. And they're like, Really? yeah, let's move you here and let's do this. And this is why it'll help you. So, so then kind of hitting that particular subject and is what is kind of the, the common misconceptions you find business owners think it's a is happening, but then you run through the numbers with them. Like, mm, that's not the case. The biggest misconception is anytime a credit card is used for a purchase, there's two people who are charging fees, two organizations. There's the credit card brands, there's visa, mastercard, whichever one is being used. Right. And then there's the processor um, who, in my opinion, is actually doing the work. You know, we're getting the money safely to where it needs to go and protecting you. But um, the misconception is that, oh, well, that's I am paying high fees, but it's 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 because it's an Amex. Which can be true at some times, but as getting into this industry, I've found people who are not as trustworthy in my industry hide their fees and say it's those, right? So, uh, so I can't get away from Visa's fee. Mm-hmm. So that it's easy for people to say, "Oh, well, that, we can't do anything about that. That's Visa's fee. That's not coming from us." But when you take a deep dive, you realize that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's the biggest surprise that I've seen people have. It's like, well, wait a minute, mm-hmm. you know? I thought is they say Amex just so much more expensive. Well, not so much anymore. Everybody's offering rewards and stuff you know, where Amex just used to. So mm-hmm. I'd say that's the biggest misconception and um, that I find probably. Yeah. And speaking of the rewards, uh, I know I'll be on numbers of financials that, you know, the money's got to come from somewhere. Now for <laughs> listeners who might be thinking, Oh yeah, I get X percentage uh, cash back, what have you. Someone's paying for it. So kind of share with the audience as to how that calculates uh, and may either cost the business owner themselves more, or if there is value for in terms of having kind of their own loyalty program uh, as well. Yeah. You know, I can't, you know, uh, so a lot of that is beyond my comprehension even, but, um, but yeah, someone is paying for those rewards. Right. And um, it's coming from the business owners who is accepting that payment. It's obviously also coming from people who have credit card debt and are paying interest on that credit card for that credit card. But um yeah, I mean, there are a lot of benefits. I know a lot of businesses are trying to kind of take it into their own hands, you know, hey, offering a cash discount or, you know, their own rewards or points to try to offset um, some of that. But um, yeah, it is hard to say where it, it all completely, uh, you know, comes from because that's something that the credit card, you know, brands kind of really dictate. And I think that's the most annoying thing for not only businesses and, and even in my industry is they dictate that. You know, there's really nothing we can do about it. They can come out with a card that's 10% cash back mm-hmm. to their person holding it. And a small business owner goes to take it and the fee is going to be astronomical. But what choice do they have to, mm-hmm. you know, to take that? But, so then mm-hmm. as tech kind of advances up, is it always going to, particularly in the payment world, um, how do you kind of envision it for the next five or 10 years for the business? Is the cost going to stay kind of level or is it just going to increase because all these um, cards are just competing and adding more rewards uh, or is tech going to catch up to the point where it's going to actually drive costs down and save money for the business owner? I think it'll be a mixture of both. Um, You know, since I've been in this industry, 
cryptos become a thing paying with crypto. I mean, there's, I mean, just some of the wildest things are like, wow, we're, we're going to go there. Right. So uh, I think it's going to do a little bit of both. I don't think, um, you know, with inflation and everything going on that fees and things are going to go down. Right. Um, it's an industry where that's just going to continue to go up. But I do think with technology, uh, companies will find better ways for companies to offset that and easier ways for them to offset that. Um, I, I don't know exactly what those solutions will be. I mean, they already exist. You know, there's, you know, even the, the government now, if you ever, and I guess shamefully, I've paid one semi recently, a speeding ticket or something. Um, you know, you show up and it's, um, well, if you pay cash, it's this price, but if you pay with a card, it's an extra 5% on top. So they're already offsetting it, but that's, that's not even technology, but technology is starting to do things like that automatically. Mm-hmm. Um, there is already technology right now when people are, um, doing business to business transfers that there's level two, level three data that can be captured that makes the transaction a less risky transaction and therefore lowers the, the rate from the card brand, right? So there's already things that are automatically happening in the background um, that are helping business owners. Um, I just don't see the fees actually going down. I mean, everything's going up. (laughs) So we mentioned a little bit on the keyword uh, risk. So for those who are not in the credit card processing sphere of things, and you would look at risk differently than any, anyone else, or maybe even insurance provider, like share with the audience as to what kind of risk someone like you would look into when determining whether or not to accept a potential business. Yeah. Risk really comes down to the risk of chargeback. So to say that's what our underwriters look at the most. Um, so they look at things like, how are you accepting the payment? Is it in person, right? Are you taking the physical card? Is it going into a machine with the chip and so on? Mm-hmm. Um, which also then, then you go into fraud, right? Because if someone's entering a credit card online, mm-hmm. well, who's the card holder? Is that a stolen credit card who actually made that payment? Um, but, um, yeah. And they're also looking at, is it a service? Is it a future service? So for instance, um, it can be hard to get travel agencies, uh, merchant services account because you're paying for that trip to Jamaica now or half of it. And then, uh, you know, a hurricane comes through and it gets canceled and that, that, uh, person that they have to return all that money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, do they have the capital? Is it, is that money still there that was paid or is it, was it put into something else running the business? So, um, really the biggest risk, um, is that is, is the chargeback is fraud, um, you know, services that aren't, uh, um, you know, that, that people want to hide, <laughs> you know, right from, mm-hmm. you know, so they, they're going to, they're going to call Amex and say, Oh, oh that wasn't me. Mm-hmm. That charge wasn't me. And uh, it was right. Or it wasn't, but th- those are the risky things. So it can be industry, how, how a payment is being taken. And then, um, yeah, basically those two things. Well, then that kind of leads to another elephant in the room question is as someone, a business owner is listening and they're only focused on their specific industry. As you're bringing this up, would the kind of clientele or the way they are accepting payments change the fee structure? Yes. Yes. Not from us. It, it, it changes it from a visa, um, an Amex standpoint, right? So mm. if someone is inserting that chip into a physical machine, it is a lower fee from Amex, let's say, than if it's typed in manually online um, or even manually into the machine, right? Mm. And so that's why there's the stripe and the chip and the tap because those things can be identified through the technology of what was being used versus a number just being punched in. And it it goes to that risk. So um, yes, there are less risky ways that businesses can accept payments um, that save them money on a daily transactional uh, basis. So Mm. So would it be... I mean, advisable, quote unquote advisable, where if they can transfer a good chunk of their online, I would say, input or payment taking to, if at all possible, and do something physical, would that then save them some cost, at least on the Visa or MasterCard side of things? It would, but it's tough because everything's going the other direction now. Yeah. Right? Everybody wants to be able to pay on their phone and online, and people mm-hmm. are moving their businesses online. So, yes, it would, but um, it's tough. And that's why I said technology. You know, I'm not sure if it'll hurt or help because in that instance, technology mm-hmm. is going to hurt, yeah. <laughs> you know, how much people are paying because everything's available online. Mm-hmm. 
So as you're being brought in and the client might be looking, all right, well, I don't know whether or not the fees I'm paying is up to stuff if I'm overpaying or if I'm just right. Um, what are kind of the quick things that you quickly look for? What would they have to prepare for you uh, to review? Well, right off the bat, I, you know, I just look at their overall effective rate, which it's the easiest thing is dividing the fees into the into the overall um, volume, right? Um, but that's just to say, okay, that gives me a general, oh, you're in big trouble. <laughs> you know, I need to help you or, oh, you might be doing okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that my company does um, is, is we do a very, very in-depth analysis. So um, every single fee um, has to be recorded on a customer's merchant statement that they get every month. And it'll show every visa, every Amex, every fee from them, every fee from their processor, every, and if you look at it and most business owners don't, because as soon as they take a peek, they're like, what is this? It's 12 pages of hieroglyphics, right? Mm -hmm. But we take that and we analyze it and we're able to really pull out and separate those fees. Hey, this was from visa. This is actually from your processor. Hey, these are fixed fees that you maybe didn't know that they were just charging you on a daily basis. You know, I found a, a client one time that was just getting charged $650 a month for no reason. Just, it was just a fee added in there. Oh, yep. <laughs> oh, that's always a lovely surprise. And I'm assuming they they've moved and, and, and went over and say, yeah, I don't need to pay 650 for no reason. Right. But it was just embedded in their fee structure. They're like, Oh, you know, if, if the business is doing enough volume, uh-huh. they don't, they don't really notice it's, you know, it's looking into that hieroglyphic. So that's what we do. We really break it down. And I really enjoy doing that because whether I, that person becomes a client or not, they love seeing that. You know, they either love the confidence of, oh, you know, I'm actually doing okay. Great. Thanks for breaking that down. Or, wow, I'm glad you did that because I didn't realize what was going on behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And kind of share with for our listeners as they're kind of learning all of this somewhat behind the scenes as to how their machine works. What is the other misconception that you find uh, that people think uh, when they think about credit card processing industry itself? Um. You know, I, I heard actually from my uncle the other day, he said, yeah, you know, I'm getting charged all this money and you guys do nothing. You're, you're, you're making this money doing absolutely nothing. And I know I thought it was funny, but I think that goes back to my last misconception that a lot of that money's not going to, to be or us, right? It's, it's the card brand. So I think, and we are doing the work. Um, I'd say another misconception, um, which, I mean, it's not a misconception. I came into this industry just a couple of years ago, and I've seen a lot of people who use the hieroglyphics to their advantage to confuse their customers. And, and so I think that can be a misconception about our industry, but it's there's a lot of people that it's not a misconception about, right? So it was very important to me to say, no, let's get that out of the way, right? So because the confusion of the fees, and, and I've been in positions too where I'm like, do I explain this to you as detailed as it needs to be to really tell you, you know, and some people are like, now I'm confused. I'm like, I know right? I'm trying, you know, but a lot of people in the industry are just like, it is what it is. And and I don't like that, but um, I don't know if that's a misconception, but um, it's something that I'm trying to battle in my industry and, and say, no, this, we can make sense of this, you know, all these numbers, we can make sense of it and we're going to for you. Mm-hmm. What is, uh, well then to kind of break things that are, might be very confusing into something that, just a bit that they only have so many bandwidth in their attention in a day. Uh, is there a go-to analogy or metaphor that you kind of lean on when explaining certain things? Uh, there is one that I've used recently and I compared, uh, I don't know if this is good. No, I compared uh, my industry to the cellular industry. <laughs> right? I mm-hmm. said, you know, there's only so many towers out there. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's so many carriers and in my industry, that's how it works kind of right. There's, the people who own the towers, I'm not one of those people, right? Um, and then there's the people who rent the space on the towers. I am one of those people, <laughs> okay? okay? And then beyond there, you go down to your equipment and your software and your apps in, in the cellular world, right? So, you know, Verizon has spot a, a space on this tower, and you get an iPhone from them. And on that iPhone, you have all these apps. Well, my industry is very similar. So as long as I have space on the tower, you can get whatever iPhone or Android or whatever you want from me hardware wise. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, all the apps that are available on all these phones, no matter what carrier you're using, they're available as well. Right. So I can do the same. So 
when it comes to that uh, aspect, um, that's how I described it. And I, and I think it helped. I got some good feedback. They're like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the, the best I could do there. So you're kind of the, the, the all-around provider and giving them access to the cell towers. Correct. At the end of the day. Correct. Right. Yep. And if I'm, if I'm following this analogy as well, as the, the visas, the Amexes, the MasterCards, they're, they're the towers. They, they might be the towers. They they might be um, they might be the the air and the land around the tire towers. Oh wow! Okay, so they're even bigger. They're even bigger. Okay. Yeah, I mean they're they're just. I mean, um, I mean they're not even the car dealers, right? The banks are. Um, they're not mm-hmm. the processors. They're just the the logo, the marketing, the network. Um, so it's kind of interesting. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I'll have to think more about that analogy then, adding them in. <laughs> well, good that you mentioned about the bank because uh, for certain business owners, they just kind of default because, oh, I got a, uh, a, a corporate business ban- uh, bank account with them. Uh, they didn't have a lot of their services with the bank. So what is it that makes Payrock different than what a bank channel would come in and offer-wise? Yeah, we are, we are non-bank owned. Uh, most processors are bank owned. Um, and also if you do processing through your bank, which it's, it's the same thing, but kind of inverse relation, but you know, for instance, let's say you bank with bank of America, right? Mm -hmm. Um, well, I have my merchant processing with bank of America. You don't, it's with first data, who's a partner of bank of America in the background, but it's bank of America merchant services, right? So Mm -hmm. what happens there is obviously you have to realize that, well, multiple people have to get paid, right? Well, the bank wants some kickback from first data mm. for saying, Hey, any business that comes into our bank is going to go to you. And so there's going to be added fees in there. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we don't have that. We're, we're not owned by a bank. We don't have to give a portion to a bank, um, which is nice. Uh, we're, we're completely and solely funded and, and owned. Um, so because of that, we can have our cost floors a little bit lower mm-hmm. um, and, and be more competitive and, and help businesses get lower fees. So. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you kind of have lower overhead because I know for a business owner, when they're when you're having you someone like you come in and review their statement, and you're coming with something that's drastically lower, they might be scratching their head, thinking, "How are you coming in solo? Like, what what am I losing out here on?" True. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um. That that does happen, and I have to explain that. Right? Is you know, well, hey, it might not be this gentleman's fault that was working with you. His cost floor, he might have only been able to go that low. Or, or else his company won't allow it because really it's not even a profitable client. Right. So mm. um, it's not that, you know, I don't know if I don't know what that scenario was for that person, but we, we can get lower than this. And, and yeah, so some people are like, well, that, that doesn't make sense. And, and then I have to explain just like that. Well, we're non-bank owned. We have leverage and we also have leverage with all the, all the towers. Um, so that, that really helps. Um, unlike a lot of processors, we have access to kind of all the carriers you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can go with Verizon or AT&T and all, you know, we are all the towers. Um, some processors don't have access to all the towers. So mm-hmm. that's, that uh, helps us out as well. Well, it's good to know it, more like you kind of a brokerage to independent where they can just go to any provider. Correct. Awesome. Correct. Great. Well then for our listeners who wants to learn a bit more and have you come in and actually review whether or not they're actually paying another six fifty just because <laughs> how can they best reach out to you? Yeah, um, they can find me really anywhere with just my first and last name, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram, um, Derek Chard. Um, they can email me at derek.chard at payrocksales.com. Payrock does not have a K. Mm-hmm. It's a big thing. It's pay, P-A-Y-R-O-C. Um, and uh, yeah, we do complimentary free reviews uh, no matter what people want. So if they want to reach out and just second opinion, always here to help um, in, in any way possible. So. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. Now, uh, if you, you've all heard here, kind of the theme uh, of today's meeting is uh, a little bit about preparation, a little bit about fun, and then also having getting into the nitty-gritty details of uh, financials. And this being the first episode uh, in January of 2023, uh, everyone's got a lot of New Year's resolution. So to kind of kick off uh, in, with the New Year's resolution theme is planning ahead. So the universal question we're going to be bringing out both guests in is as we're kind of charting for the rest of 2023, I know we're a little early, what would be one advice that you would give to our audience where they, they're just learning about your services now and they know what's important, but they're so swamped right now. What would be the first step they should take today to make it a little easier for them 
to actually engage with you or just someone like yourself. So again, the question is, if you're listening, just learning about your service now, they're like, oh, I didn't even know this thing existed. Uh, I got so many things going. I got weight loss to lose. I, 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 got, I got my kids to get to school, but uh, what's the one little simple thing I can do right now to make it easier for me to either reach out, reach out to a Rachel or Derek? Now, this is, of course, is giving our great guests some time to think over their answer. Uh, this is the legal portion of the site. This, this show is sponsored and brought to yours truly, Anthony Chen with Lighthouse Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., RAA, member FINRA SIPC. RAA is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of RAA. The main office address is 575 Broad Hollow Road, Melville, New York, 11747. You can best reach me at my office number at 631-465-9090, extension 5075, or my email, which is just my full name, Anthony Chen, C-H-E-N, at LFNLLC.com, or simply uh, also connect with me on LinkedIn. Now I'm going to bring our ghost, both guests back into the show. Again, the question was, for our listeners, just learning something new today and realizing how. Well, how that was, I that's start? a really loaded question, Anthony. I mean, you're asking <laughs> us to keep it simple, but yet through the lens of I all. I, I mean, yeah, wow, <laughs> way, to, way to do that. But, you know, I'm really big into, I'm doing a, a blog post tomorrow about getting back to the basics. Mm-hmm. Like We get so overwhelmed with like, what are the right questions I need to call and ask a potential, you know, business if I'm going to engage with them or mm-hmm. like, I'm not ready to do it or I've got to do all these other things. I'm like, just pick up the phone and call me, send me a text, follow me on LinkedIn, follow me on socials and just pop and send me a DM. Like, keep it simple. You don't have to do it all right now. You don't, Rome wasn't built in a day, just like put one foot in front of the other, reach out. If you do just a little bit of planning, especially through the lens of of your business as well, including that in your estate planning, like just think through a couple of things. Let's not make it crazy complicated. Keep it simple. Back to the basics. Well, thank you. Because I know from our listeners coming in, there you have the two extreme ends. You have did nothing, dumpster fire, or the wall. Yeah, I don't want to do yeah. that. But then you've got your go-to client where she's partying but they yeah. might be thinking well i'm not a partier does, does that does that mean i'm missing out <laughs> so, so they might be a little intimidated yeah they might be you know what and that's the thing like, yes the world is your oyster but and and through that lens but you know what we can always keep it simple you can also say i don't care what you do with me after i'm gone you make the decision that'll be bueno with me that sounds awesome mm-hmm. um, and just keep it simple right thank you eric Oh boy, that was my answer as well, but <laughs> sure, sure, sure it was, sure it was. Um, so I was trying to th- even more creative here. Um, so if someone was just listening to everything I just said, um, pick up the phone, just have a conversation. But even if you don't want to do that, because sometimes that's the hardest thing. Well, if I pick up the phone, we're going to go down the tunnel, and mm-hmm. I, I can't go down that tunnel yet. If you're, if it's my industry, take that merchant statement that you have. Divide the fees into the volume. And if it's anything over, let's just safely say 3%. If it's over 3%, then you have to call, right? Like, so I, I think if that's something that, hey, before you reach out, just take that statement, make that division, um, do that first. Because if it's below, you know, you're probably okay. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you're not getting gouged. Um, and then just if, you know, if you ever have a customer that's, well, why can't I pay you this way? Or it's it's kind of hard to get you to pay your invoice or your bill. Or, mm-hmm. Then you might, that might be a, a cue to, to give someone like me a call and just have a conversation, like mm-hmm. Rachel said. So it's a start. Yeah. Having that little simple, easy step or as Rachel mentioned, keep it, keep yeah. it simple. I mean, I don't think you're going to do the hard sell. I'm not going to do the hard sell. Like you're not going to get put into some, you know, email sequence or phone call where, you know, we're blowing up your phone. I'm not for everybody. Everybody's not for me, but just pick up the phone. We'll have a conversation. 
Denmark, Denmark. Agree. And sometimes it can be even better. I've had uh, clients that, can you just look at it? And I look at it and I say, you're fine. I like, I, I could save you 20 bucks a month if you want to go through the hassle. And well, I don't like this. Can it get any better? Not really. Thanks. And they just feel so much better about their current situation versus I need to make changes. Something's wrong. No, no, no. That is fine. Move on to your next thing on your list. Mm. So even just reaching out. And mm-hmm. I think both of us are like that. We're going to tell you what you need to do and which maybe you don't. Um, so you feel better or confident. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. When I'm building on top of people who might have an all right, an okay situation, then kind of leading, uh, bouncing off the question to you, Rachel, is reviewing someone's situation. When was, have you ever ran into someone who's where their situation is actually pretty solid? Yeah, absolutely. That does happen a lot where somebody will call me and mostly after they've lost a loved one, they just don't even know what they don't know. They don't uh, know where to begin. And they're like, I don't know what I need to be doing. Do I need to be paying taxes? Do I need to be doing this? And mm-hmm. we'll go through everything. And I'll say, you know what? You're in pretty good shape. I don't think you really need me. Maybe we could do a, an hour consultation and, and that's it. And I could clean up a couple of things for you. I could make an introduction to an attorney or if you know, but you're, you're pretty solid. You're pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, okay, I, I didn't know, didn't know what I didn't know. And I was just so scared. I was missing out or not doing something I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Well, you are hearing it here. It's not just reaching out and they pick, taking that first step and, preventing a disaster or fixing one, but just might be having an even better news. I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I'm doing pretty good. But rather than having that kind of albatross in the back of someone said, am I, am I okay or not okay? At least one, at least have that kind of sense of safety, that feeling, hey, yeah. this is one less stress on the table. That's why you do checkups at the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Right? You yeah. don't wait to like, you you know, hundred percent. Yeah, like you're you're ailing to go to the doctor. You want to do checkups to uh-huh. say, okay, my blood's good. This is good. That's good. My cholesterol. Mm. Okay, then you feel great and you can move forward. So it's kind of the same thing. But so, on that lens, it's not a one and done. You got to go true. back. Yep. Same thing with legacy and estate planning. Mm. A living, change. breathing plant, like I like to say. You gotta you gotta water it every once in a while. Mm. So. So what you're saying is this third arm I'm growing, I, I should check out with a doctor. Is that, is that it? I should be waiting. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, pay, that, with cash. pay with cash. Pay okay, with cash. Okay. There we go. So, so as we're kind of closing out here, of course, this being kind of the New Year's uh, episode here, sharing kind of what your intentions are for your New Year. What was your plans? And if you would like to share with the audience as to what is your technique in terms of keeping yourself on the path so that they can also take a little something away. Am I going to steal yours if I go first? Uh, Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're safe on this one. One of my intentions, and I'm not a big fan of New Year's resolutions, but I really want to try to do more time blocking in my schedule and like the Pomodoro effect of, of really setting a timer for 20 minutes and doing something. Um, And just, you know, being more intentional about my schedule because things can go off the rails uh, really fast. I've got not only this business, but another business and two kids and um, it's, you know, a husband and a house and it's a lot of things. So um, being more intentional about my time is a big, big goal of mine this year. Right. I think it's just, you're inspiring. So that's why I think you stole, <laughs> you, you steal them, but you're just like, you know, that's a great idea. <laughs> Um, but no, I was telling Anthony earlier, I, me and my girlfriend got a gym membership in November, not in January. So we, we got ahead of it, but really I would just say that health and, um, and, and I would agree getting more intentional with my time and my business and, and the people who work with me and my clients and just really making, um, you know, making a bigger impact, um, in those things. But definitely I think, and I know it's cliche, but health is a big thing uh, for me this year Mm because I've let it get away from me. I didn't do all those checkups that I was just well, talking. I, really I didn't take on advice. Well, I really thought you were going to say planning your funeral was on your oh. docket for this uh. year, but I guess not. <sighs> I, I should have, man. I missed that cue. I missed yeah. that cue. <laughs> all right. Well, it was an absolute pleasure. So kind of as we're closing out again, how can our audience best find you? I'm on all the things, black dress consultants, just mm-hmm. Google me. I'm, um, you know, uh, LinkedIn, Instagram are the best places to find me. Social media and and by my name, Payrock. Um, I'm an independent sales office of them. So uh, Derek Chard would be what you want to look up. You can find me on any social media. 
Great. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And now for a little bit of what we'd like to call Anthony's financial take.、Uh, as you kind of heard from our guests, is sometimes a lot of the planning can be. Quite overwhelming. It's almost like、uh, drinking out of a fire hydrant. So, kind of going along with the theme of starting out the year with、uh, goals or resolution, financial planning can be very complex. But rather than getting stuck in, in the quandary of just as we like to call it、uh, paralysis by overanalysis, start something simple. Start with just say a budget, or let's say for example, if I have X Y Z goal.、Um, Just at least write it down. Make it something solidified, as opposed to just being in the air or the cloud. So that when you get to have that conversation, when one is ready for your with your financial advisor, hopefully, probably me,、uh, then you're gonna have at least some kind of starting、uh, roadblock to go off, as opposed to just throwing darts、uh, into the fog, into the wall. So start something small. Don't get all too crazy. We don't Rome, as Rachel mentioned, wasn't built in a day. So, start simple, keep it simple, and with that, we'll close out today's episode. Thank you for listening to Family Business Radio.